0: you felt that way no okay i'm kidding i did i did we talked about it i was bad i was bad well it's a it's a real honor oh man i love seeing familiar faces stony brook squad up. so awkward (laughs) um it's a real honor and and i love seeing familiar faces and tonight i actually have the privilege of speaking but can we actually do this i know it might be a little weird but can we all stand up there's some things i'm just sensing in my heart in my spirit that I, uh, I just want us to go after. And with just every eyes closed, I just want us to pray a few things. It's just what I'm sensing in my spirit. But there are some prayers that God loves to answer. There are specific prayers that the Holy Spirit loves to answer. And just as I'm here, what I'm sensing right now is that Holy Spirit, just with the flow of the night, Holy Spirit wants to reveal more of Jesus to us. I feel it so strongly in my heart. So once again, it might be weird, but bear with me. Just hold out your hand like you're receiving something. And can we just begin to pray this? You guys, you guys can follow after me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do what you love to do. do, what you love to do. Reveal the Son to me. Let Jesus be glorified in my life. Reveal more of Jesus' love to me. Just right now, what I'm also sensing is I feel in my heart that God wants to do a lot of paradigm shifting tonight. He wants to break a lot of boxes that we put the Holy Spirit in, that we put the Father in, that we put the Jesus in. A lot of boxes just based off of our own comfort that he wants to break open to reveal just how much more he loves us. Just how incredibly full of love that he is for us. So God, we love you. Holy Spirit, once again, do what you love to do. Do what you do best. Reveal the Son. Glorify the Son. So that Jesus, just like Psalms 2 says, that you will have your inheritance, that the nations are your inheritance, and start right here in Bergen County. Start right here in Queens. Start right here in Stony Brook. Start right here wherever we are, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Y'all can be seated. If it's okay, I want to jump right in, if that's okay with you guys get a water for me but um but i don't know about y'all but the year of uh 2020 i know it's only february but the year of 2020 has been incredibly difficult right anyone else with me january was a rough start anyone else come on now come on now it's crazy because a lot of these christian leaders global christian leaders they wrote articles and they would release what we call prophetic words which is they heard from the lord and they just shared what they felt And they would say stuff like the year of 2020 is going to be the year of vision. (laughs) It's going to be the year where great things are happening. It's going to be the year where there's going to be renewal and restoration. Yo, 2020 ain't been nothing like that. (laughs) They said it was the year of vision. I have never been so visionless in my life before. (laughs) I'm just being honest. And I remember all of January, I was so confused because ending 2019, I was like, I'm so excited to start a new year, start a new decade. Right away when January hits, I'm like, what is going on? I'm just going to be straight up, and you guys could have an inside look at my thoughts. But I haven't wrestled with this for a long time, but these are some of the thoughts that came back into remembrance. For example, I remember just uh, randomly thinking, and I remember questioning God, God, what is the purpose of my life? (laughs) God, why am I alive? Now hear me, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't depressed, but I just had all these thoughts. God, why am I alive? God, why does it seem like my life is wasting away? God, I know I'm still young, I know I'm only 25, but why does it feel like my life is being wasted? Why does it feel like I'm not doing enough? And for the first time in a long time, I was hit with discouragement. I was hit with so much, I don't even know what the word is. It's like stress, but it's like crippling stress. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone else? 2020 has been like that. If that's you, just raise your hand. You guys have been discouraged. All right, a bunch of y'all. Thanks for being honest with me. The two of you guys that raised your hand, thank you. But 2020 was rough. And as the end of January started to appear, I felt like finally I got some clarity. So this is all still fresh to me. This is also what God is speaking to me. So I want to humbly say, you guys can listen to it if you want. If not, it's okay. (laughs) But this is all fresh. And I really believe that everyone who's here right now is supposed to be here. I truly do believe that. I believe there, there are no mistakes in the kingdom. Whoever is seated here right now, seated here right now, I really believe with all my heart you are supposed to be here. But going off of that, I remember the end of January, I finally got some clarity where I felt like God gave me this phrase in my heart. It was not an audible voice, but it was just something I felt in my heart. And this is what I heard him say. Danny, you can do many things for me without me. I said, what, Lord? <laughs> what does that mean? Danny, you can do many things for me me without me. Now, let me take a side note here real quick, and I want to share why this is all important. American culture, if you guys track with me, as of the last 20 years or 25 years, and I say 25 is because I've only been alive for 25, but the last 25 years, if you could track with me, American culture has been this. Whatever we say is popular, eventually that becomes a status quo. You guys know what I'm talking about? Eventually, it becomes a status quo where everyone else will agree, yes, this is the norm, this is popular, this is cool. You guys can look at whatever you want. Fashion, take a look at fashion. Fashion, a group of people, a small group will say, this is cool, this is popular. Then before you know it, everyone will want it. Take a look at Yeezys. Yeezys, in my opinion, I know Pastor Sam got Yeezys on. Yeezys, in my opinion, are some of the most ugly shoes I've ever seen in my life. I'm just gonna be honest. No, no hate, they look like zebra on your feet, no hate. (laughs) But a small group of people said, this is cool, this is popular. Now the general public has said, this is the status quo. This is the norm for cool sneakers. Y'all tracking with me. The same way the church has fallen victim to this type of culture too. And we started to talk about revival the same way we talk about shoes. We started to talk about revival so casually, unfortunately, That it's just become a a normal word that we toss around. Yo, you're going to this revival meeting? You're going to this revival meeting? When you're going to this revival meeting? Now, why do I say it's unfortunate? Because we began to compromise and define revival to something that is cool and attractive when in reality it is not. We began to compromise the standard of revival to that which is actually not. And what ended up happening, we began to Instagram revival. Yo, check me out. I'm at this revival meeting. Pursuit? Or pursuit? Oh, man. I can't even use pursuit. We're at this revival meeting. Hey, check it out. Hey, look at what all God is doing in this place. Y'all track it with me. And we begin to sell revival. We begin to be more in love with being seen and doing awesome things for God. We begin to take a shortcut Instead of letting God prune us and letting God persevere us and letting God really mold us, we take a shortcut because we want to be seen because it is now cool and attractive. Oh, come on. If you're a Christian in your church, you are cool and you're attractive. (laughs) No Christian girl wants to meet a non-Christian guy. Ladies, let me hear you say amen. All right, thank you for the two of you. But it's true. Christian boys are cool. Christian girls are awesome. If you're a Christian, if you're on fire in the church, you are automatically attractive. But in the same way we made revival type of kind of like that too. We're now doing awesome things for God has taken precedent over being with God. Now come back with with me on my story. Let me bring this full circle. So I remember God gave me that phrase, Danny, doing many things for me is not the same as being with me. And as I sat on it more and more, I really began to understand what he was saying. Now for me, To be honest, I have a lot of ambition, and I want to be used by God so mightily. I do. I remember praying prayers, God, use me more than the person next to me. (laughs) I'm being so honest. God, if you could use Billy Graham, then you can use me. I remember praying prayers like that. But without me knowing, my heart began to change a little bit. My posture began to shift. And I remember saying things of this nature. God, I want to lead a movement for you. God, I want to bring revival for you. God, I want to start my own ministry, Danny Kang International Ministry, D. Kim for short, for you. (laughs) God, I want the world to encounter you, but do it through me for you. Y'all tracking with me? And I remember more and more my prayers and the way that my posture has been. God, I want to do awesome things for you. But what God began to show me was, Danny, it is possible to do many things for me without me. Now, what does all this mean? For some of us in the church who grew up in the church, specifically tonight's message are for those you would call yourself a follower of Jesus. For those of us who grew up in the church, sometimes we may have even had thoughts like this. Hey, God, look at all that I'm doing for you. God, I serve in the church for you. God, I read my Bible for you. God, I pray prayers for you. God, I give up my Sundays for you. But I want to tell you, it's possible to do many things for God without God. Now, let's take a look real quick. Matthew 7. We got the slide up if you guys don't have your Bible. But Matthew 7, 21. This is a group of people that Jesus is about to preach to. And this is a warning he gives. Take a look at it. It's not a pretty passage. As a matter of fact, this is one of those passages that you wish you didn't read. (laughs) But let's take a look at it. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Look, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles. And this is what Jesus says. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Away from me, you evil doers. Dang. Like, how is it possible that there's a group of people that are doing amazing things for God, yet his response is, depart from me! I never knew you. But meanwhile, we'll take a look at the life of the disciples and people like Apostle Paul, and we'll see them do amazing things for God. Do absolutely incredible things for God, yet Jesus' response to them is a little different. We read about their lives and we celebrate their lives and we know that they lived a good, faithful life. One that we celebrate, one that we try to live after. So let me ask you a question. How is it possible that two similar actions can receive two different responses from Jesus? I believe it's marked with this next phrase. Can we go to the next slide? Acts chapter 4. I'm going to be using a lot of scripture today. This is right after Peter and John healed a man that was lame since birth. He literally says, in Jesus' name, get up. And that guy got up, and he started dancing around. This is after he did that. Now, the religious people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can everyone say that with me? These men had been... This is the difference. How can two similar actions receive two different responses from Jesus? Because one, did many mighty things for God without God. But meanwhile, the disciples, they were with Jesus. And from that place of being with Jesus, they were used mightily for God. Now, I want us to dive into this. And hopefully by the end, you will realize this phrase, this, this, this phrase that I want us to really sit on. Doing things for God is not the same as being with God. Doing things for God is not the same as doing things with God. I love revival history and I study moves of God in the past. And there are few men who've been used powerfully by God where you could trace back their life and you will realize that the majority of their life they have spent time with Jesus even when they didn't have a name, even when no one knew who they were. Meanwhile, recently, you will find many people who have an incredible platform. They're doing awesome things for God. But why is it that they fall into moral failure? Why is it that they have a life of secret sin behind the amazing things that they're doing for God? It's because of this one phrase. Doing things for God does not mean you are being with God. Doing things for God does not mean you are doing things with God. So let's take a look. I want to give a few examples of what happens when we do things for God without God. Just a few examples. What what happens? What does our life look like? What is God's response when we try to do amazing things for God without God? First example is found in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a story that we do know pretty well if you grew up in the church. Luke chapter 10, I should have it up there. Let me give some context. Jesus is now in the home of Mary and Martha, two sisters, and when Jesus is there, he's with a bunch of followers. Now, Martha, being the older sister, now she's cleaning the house. She's prepping. She's cooking up some food. Probably going to be some kimchi bokkeumbab. You know what I'm saying? She's cooking it up, and she's doing all these awesome things for Jesus. Remember, he's coming into their house. She's doing many things for Jesus. Meanwhile, her younger sister, Mary, is all she's doing is just sitting at his feet, at the feet of Jesus, listening to all that he has to say. Now, Martha, being the older sister, goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus! It's not fair, Lord. Tell Mary to help me out. Look, Jesus, look at all that I'm doing for you. Tell Mary to help me out. And look at Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary has chosen the one thing that is better, and they won't be taken from her. What happens when we try to do things for God without God? Point number one, it's not his desire. All these things that we want to display to God, God, look at this resume of all the things I'm doing for you. It's not his desire. But God, I'm, leaving an, I'm leading a movement for you. It's not my desire. God, look at the way I'm serving in the church for you. It's not my desire. What his desire is, is what Mary did. The one thing, the only thing that matters, to be with Jesus. I hope that encourages some of us. Can I, I wanna make a point about spiritual disciplines. God, look at all the times I'm reading the Bible for you. God, look at all the times I'm praying for you. God, look at all these things that I'm doing for you. We made it a religion. We made it so religious doing these spiritual disciplines for God. Did you know the purpose of these spiritual disciplines was not so you could do it for God? These are tools to bring you closer to him so that you can be with him. I don't even think this is my point. Did you know you can read the word of God without ever encountering the God of the word? Oh, that's a good thing. Someone should should write that down. For real, it's possible to know and to study the word of God without ever encountering the God of the word. Now, I feel like I could say this because this used to be me. There are some people that know scripture inside and out. They could pull off Bible verses off the top of their head, but they're jerks. (laughs) Like I said, I could say it because that used to be me. You guys know what I'm talking about. They will use Bible verses to shut you down. They will use Bible verses to make you feel like dirt. Listen, I don't know what God you serve or what God you read about, but that's not the God I encounter. You know what I'm talking about? These spiritual disciplines, praying, praying, It was not something you do for God. God, look at all the times I'm praying for you. No. It's a tool God has given us to bring us closer to him so that we can be with him. And see, Mary understood that, Martha did not. That is why God's desire is not for you to do many things for him without him. I hope this is getting through. So the second thing, what happens when we do many things for God without God? Acts 19. I got the slide up. Prior to this, oh, here we go. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. This is nasty. Paul began to speak. He began to blow his nose. And the very thing he blew his nose on, people would take it. They would bring it to the sick people and they get healed. Incredible, but gross, right? Absolutely incredible. Next slide but now we're about to read what happens when we try to do things for God without God. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Notice how there's no intimacy between them and Jesus. Verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? That's creepy. (laughs) Then the man who had all the evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. See See the comparison. Paul had power flowing out of him. These people who had no relationship with Jesus, who had no intimacy with Jesus, who were not with Jesus, who try to do amazing things for God. Look at what happens. Point number two, powerless. What happens when you try to do amazing things for God without God? It's powerless. Now, I want to make a point here. The sad part about this whole story is not that the Jewish people got beat up. Religious folks, I'm going to call them religious folks. They're probably like people in the church today. They probably memorized scripture. They prayed prayers. They obeyed the Sabbath, the once a week Christian thing. The sad part of the story is not that these people got beat up. But the sad part about the whole story is that there was a man who was being oppressed, who was being tormented by demons, and he came across believers who he believed could set him free. The saddest part about this whole story is that a man possessed by demons left with the same amount of demons he came in with. Man. People who are wanting to be set free come across you. Hey, I heard you got Jesus. Hey, I heard you know Jesus. I heard Jesus can set me free. And they leave with the same problems that they came to you with, with no difference in their life. The very Jesus we claim that we know, the very Jesus we claim that can cure all disease, heal all sickness, is the answer for life. That is the saddest part about this whole story. Now, what about in your context? With your family, with your friends, in your work, your school, your church? People come up to you saying, hey, can you pray for me? Hey, there's something about your life that I want too. Can you pray for me? but you notice it, there is no power flowing in your body. There is no power flowing through you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I read this, it creeps me out. Not because of the demon people, not because of demons. Like we've seen a lot of people get set free. One of the most beautiful things that I've encountered is when people who are tormented by demons are set free. It's one of the most beautiful things. They have this new life and this new joy inside of them. But one of the scariest things about this passage is that it is possible for you to call yourself a follower of Jesus and have no power flowing in you. That is what happens when you try to do awesome things for God without God. It's powerless. Now let me make a side note here. Sometimes God will use you and work in you and through you despite you. Now what do I mean? I think I could share this best in a story. There are many times where God used me to speak life to people, give me quote-unquote prophetic words to people, and it would bless them. It would encourage them. They would start crying. But I knew deep down in my heart that I was not walking with God. I knew deep down in my heart I was not with Jesus. I was living a secret life of sin. I had so much pride in me where I wanted all the glory. But check this out. God still used me despite me. Why? Not because I'm holy. Not because I'm an empty vessel that wants to be filled with his presence. No. It's because his love for that other individual is so much better, so much greater that he won't even let me get in the way of it. So don't get confused. Just because you see God moving in your life does not mean you are walking with God. And I want to share with that from from experience because I think I literally wasted maybe two years of my life post-meeting God believing that I was walking with God because I saw God do amazing things through me. Meanwhile, I knew I had a secret life of sin. I was not walking with him. I desired the name of Danny to be above the name of Jesus. So what happens when you do things for God without God? There's no power flowing through. Last thing, last point. What happens when we try to do things for God without God? John chapter 15. It's a parable of the, the vine and the branches. I actually want to read it for us. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Can everyone say that out loud with me? One, two, three, nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Once again, I'm giving y'all hardcore messages. <laughs> what happens when you try to do things for God without God? I am sorry. It's dead. Your fruits are dead. Your work is dead. Your efforts, they're dead. This is Jesus speaking. This is not Danny Kane. Please don't hate me. Jesus is saying your work is dead. Apart from remaining in Jesus, apart from being with Jesus, we can do nothing. And I want that to be an encouragement because there is no strength we can like, conjure up to say, God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. No, you're not. We can't. There's absolutely nothing we can do. For one second, I want to speak to those who are in ministry, those who are serving the church. I want to say one thing. We've made fruit-bearing our number one priority. But Jesus' number one priority is not fruit-bearing. It's abiding. I got that from my professor at ATS. Because this is going on podcast and he might listen to it. What was I saying? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Some of us in ministry have made fruit bearing our number one priority instead of abiding in Jesus. When Jesus' command was for us to abide, we started to care about the fruits. Oh, how many people show up? How many people did I lead to the Lord today? how many people were healed at a pursuit meeting? I mean, we wrestle with it too. We struggle with it too all the time. On behalf of me and the team, we struggle with it all the time too. And there are moments where the Lord will bring, it, bring this into our remembrance. It doesn't matter how many people come to a pursuit meeting. It doesn't matter how many people come to your church. The question is, you as a minister, are you abiding? So doing things for God without God, I'm sorry to say, but it is dead. Number one, it is not his desire. It is powerless and it is dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I can say this confidently. I don't think there's a single person, when all is said and done with their life, that they want to go to heaven and they want to see the Father and they want to say this, Father, look at all of these things I've done for you, Lord. This is a list of all of these things that I've done for you, Father. Now I know it wasn't your desire, and I know it was powerless. And I know it was dead. But Lord, look at all this that I've done for you, God. I think I can say it confidently when I don't think there's a single person here that want to stand before the Father and say that. So let me go to the encouraging part. Let me, let me encourage this a little bit. Then what happens when we prioritize being with God above doing many things for God? What happens when we make that our number one priority, just like we sang today, just like the direction of the whole night since worship? where all we want to do is love on Jesus, where all we want to do is be with him. What happens if this becomes our number one priority? We're going to stay right here in John 15. When our desire is to be with God, this is what it says. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now let's jump down to verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What happens if we make being with Jesus our number one priority above doing many things for God? You will bear God-given fruit, not man-made fruit, not one that comes from striving, oh, if I could just do this, I could just do this. But God-given fruit, there's a difference between man-made fruit and God-given fruit. Man-given, man-made fruit, it comes from a place of striving. If I could just try enough, if I could just do enough, and it's temporary. And at the end of the day, you receive the glory. God-given fruit, on the other hand, it's eternal, it has impact, and ultimately at the end of the day, God gets the glory. And it does not come from striving, it comes from abiding. You guys want to see a move of God in your schools, in your workplace? Awesome. Abide. It sounds so countercultural because it is. See, in our culture today, we say you have to do, 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 do. But the Bible says something completely different. Jesus says, abide, 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 abide. So what happens when we prioritize being with Him above doing things for Him? We bear God given fruit. One of the main reasons why I'm so passionate about revival is because I'm absolutely sick and tired of man-made strategies. We've tried, the church has been trying for 2,000 years, technically since 300 AD. So what is that? 1,700 years? <laughs> I majored in econ. 1,700 years. The church has been trying and trying and trying for 1,700 years to fulfill the Great Commission. For 1,700 years. We have tried with everything we have to, to fulfill the Great Commission within the, probably the first, what is it, up until the, the 20th century, we barely saw any difference. As a matter of fact, missions movement really started to happen around 1900 AD, only about a hundred years ago. Why? Because for so long we've tried it with our man-made strategies. Like, for so long, we try to do awesome things for God with our own ideas and with our own strategies. So, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about revival is because it's saying, God, there is nothing we can conjure up by ourselves. There is nothing we can think of by ourselves. The only thing we can do is to trust you, God. The only thing we can do is to abide in you, and you will take care of the rest. So, what God can do, what, what would take man normally 20 years to, can, to do, God can do in two months in revival. That is why we are so passionate about revival. What would take man 20 years to do, God can do in two months. Now let me make another side note here. Abiding or doing things for God and being with God, Jesus never separated the two. Humans did. Let me explain this. Humans, out of our self selfish desire, out of our selfish ambitions because we want it to be known and we want it to be great. We have separated the two, being with God and doing things for God. We chose to ignore the former and we chose to to really dwell in the latter. But look here, Jesus never separates the two. He says, if you remain in me, then you will bear much fruit. It's an if-then statement. It's a promise. It's actually a command. If you do this, then this will happen. If you be with Jesus, if you are one with Jesus, if you spend time with him, then you will see fruit in your life. You will see God-given fruit in your life. Now, the number one stopper of revival, I'm just trying to bring this all together. The number one stopper of revival is not the devil, is not the enemy. We give him too much credit. The number one stopper of a move of God is not the devil, and is not the enemy. The number one stopper of a move of God of revival is people. Because we allow our own personal desire, our own personal ambitions to take over God, godly desire and godly ambition. Because we try to put our name into what God is doing as opposed to letting him take the glory. When our main desire and our main call is to abide, we try to bear fruit without ever being connected to God. So what happens when we are one with God? What happens when we remain with God? We will bear God-given fruits. There will be an impactful, eternal fruit in your life that you cannot take credit for, that God will ultimately get the glory for. Second thing, what happens when we are prioritizing being with God above doing things for God? Acts chapter 4, we're going to go back to that one more time. Notice how I said the disciples just now did an amazing things for God. Peter preaches a message up front where I don't even know what he says in Acts chapter 2. You can read it. It's awesome. And 5,000 people get converted. And right before this passage, because he healed a blind man and people got to see, 3,000 more people became Christians. 3,000 plus 5,000. 8,000 people <laughs> became Christians in less than a day. Talk about man-made strategies. No man-made strategy can do that. This is straight up a move of God simply coming from abiding with God. How do we know that? Let's just read that one more time. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. In other words, they had no resume. (laughs) They didn't go to a seminary. They didn't have anything to show off. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The only thing they can equate the power that is flowing in their lives to, the boldness, the power, the authority that John and Peter carried, were not from their resume. They didn't have any. It was not because of this type of school that they went to, they didn't have that. It was not because they made this amount of money, they were broke. It was not because they were good looking or special. It says they were ordinary. The Bible is being nice, it literally means they were boring. But the only reason that these people can equate, wow, John and Peter, they have power and authority. Why is that the case? Is because they had been with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus and if you prioritize being with Jesus, I'm telling you, you will see power and authority in your life. Oh, man, so many stories I want to share. There are literally power flowing through you where everywhere you go, people automatically notice. Let me tell one quick story. Uh, a few months ago, I was at a, a soup dumpling place in Fort Lee. It's called, what's the name of it? No, not the, not the busy one. Uh, dumpling Den. Dumpling Den. Anyone ever go there? Okay, Dumpling Den. I was there with a friend. We were hanging out. We were chilling. I want to tell you about power and authority. I want to tell you just how real this is. And as we're eating, our waitress comes up to us. I'm going to leave her name out. She comes up to us. She's awesome. She's very sweet, and she begins to serve us. After all is said and done, I feel in my heart, Holy Spirit is speaking to me because I've been with him. This is not me just trying to conjure anything up. I feel the Holy Spirit's voice in my heart. Danny, I want you to pray for our family. So I did what any other follower of Jesus would do. Can I get the check please? <laughs> Can I get the check? And I was so ready to book out of it. <laughs> but I felt it again. Danny, I want you to pray for a family. So I got up and I said, hey, you're awesome. Thank you so much for serving us. You're really, you're really cool. This might sound weird, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I felt like Jesus was speaking to me. Is there anything going on with your family? And I want to pray for your family. I feel like God is asking me to pray for your family. And I kid you not, right away, she just starts crying. She just starts having tears in her eyes. She's like, sorry. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Uh, I'm not making fun of you, I promise. And starts crying. I'm like, what's going on? And literally about three minutes, she's just constantly crying and tearing up. Finally, she gathers herself, and I said, hey, is everything okay? And she goes, literally two days ago, my grandmother passed away. Two days ago, my grandma passed away, and her family is heartbroken by it. Oh, there is no way I could have thought of that by myself. There is no way I could have had that type of power and authority for that. In that moment, I got to pray for her. We got to bless her. We follow back up, maybe about a month later. Hey, what's going on? Do you remember me? Oh, yeah, I remember you prayed for me. Hey, how's everything with your family? And she literally says verbatim, wow, everything has been amazing after you guys prayed for me. God began to move in my family, and we began to sense this overall peace in our family. I can't make that up, but that didn't come from Danny King striving to be someone I'm not. It came from abiding with Jesus. It was not a man-made fruit. Outside of Jesus, I got nothing. I have no power, no authority. If you abide to Jesus, if you remain with Jesus, if you are with Jesus, you will see power and authority flowing in you. One more thing. I truly do believe that this is the number one thing that a church in America is lacking the most. Power and authority. We have too many warm seats in the church today. Meanwhile, the world outside the four walls of the church is dying. We don't need more theology. We have years of theology. We don't need new more, more doctrines. We have many, many years of doctrine. We need the power and authority of God, but it does not come because we strive for it. It comes when we are with him. Last thing I want to say, and if I get the worship team up, this is the last thing. Apparently, in, even in secular circles, there is what's known... As this principle. And this principle is the more time you spend with an individual, the more time you become like that individual. And they usually rec- uh, related to married couples. I don't know why I'm doing this. They usually related to married couples. And they said, this is the case. Usually, the more time you spend with an individual, the more you begin to look like them, talk like them, act like them, live like them, smell like them. Now, I didn't know this, but someone once came up to me and said, Danny, did you know that you have an accent? And I said, what do you mean, brother? I do not have any accent. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) They said, Danny, you got an accent. Do you guys think I have an accent? Okay. I didn't realize this, but I was like, okay, what's the accent? Like, what is it? And they're like, well, we're not sure. (laughs) Because it it sounds Asian, it sounds Korean, but you got a hint of Hispanic in there, and you got a hint of African-American. And then it clicked on me. I spent my whole life around Hispanics and African-Americans. See, the more time I spent with my friends growing up, I began to talk like them. I don't talk like a normal Korean. I'm sorry. (laughs) I talk like the people I spend time around. I didn't know this too, but did you know, one day, my older sister came up to me, and she said, Danny, you and Pastor Sam, I'll move this later, when you guys pray for people, you guys look the same. I don't think I've ever told you this, right? I said, do not, older sister, what do you mean? It says, well, you guys have this look when you're praying for people and in the front, when you're trying to pray for people, you guys have this look where you kind of scrunch up your face and you look up to the sky. Now, don't get self-conscious later, but I didn't realize that. But here's the truth. When I noticed it, when I saw him praying for people, I realized, oh, my goodness, I do that too. I didn't realize my face crunches up like that and I look to the heavens when I pray for individuals. But why is that the case? Because I spent so much time around Pastor Sam. When he would go to retreats, I would go with him and I would see the way he would pray for people. Without me even realizing it, I would pick up on the very things that he would do. Now, the disciples, they were not trying to be someone they were not in this passage. The disciples, they were not trying to be like any other person. This is the key. Because they had spent so much time With Jesus, they began to look like him. They began to smell like him. They began to act like him. They began to talk like him. They began to pray like him. They began to move like him. They began to live like him. Now, I want to show you a picture of what this really looks like. I want to show you this picture. Now, man, I usually don't do props, but I had to. Thanks for bearing with me. Is it cool if I talk without the mic? Oh, I should probably turn it off for a little bit. Is it cool if I talk without the mic? Y'all can hear me, right? Now, I think this is the best picture I can come up with. To exemplify and to show what this truly is about. Why it's so important to be with God? Listen, real quick. Is there anyone who wants to change the world? Come on, world changes. Can you raise your hand? Amen. Anyone hungry for God, raise your hand. Uh Amen. Anyone at the end of your life, you want God to say, good job, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Then this is for you. This is the picture, the best picture I could come up with of what this really looks like, this principle in action. Now, in many ways, all I have here is coffee. Mmm, Folgers. Folgers? Folgers. Folgers. In many ways, I think Jesus is like coffee. Now, I'm not being sacrilegious. Hear me out. But when I wake up, I want to wake up to Jesus. I want to, make up, I want to wake up to coffee. When I'm feeling tired, I just need some more Jesus. I need some more coffee. What else? That's it. <laughs> in many ways, I think Jesus and coffee are very similar. Now, let's say here this coffee represents Jesus. Then in this jar, all I got It's just some water. Oh man, I'll clean that up later. All that is in this is water. And in many ways, I think this water represents me, represents you, represents us. Flavorless, boring, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) But no one in their right mind would look at this water and say, hey, can I have this coffee? No one in their right mind would look at this and say, wow, you got a nice jar of coffee there. No one in their right mind would, mmm, smells like coffee. No it doesn't. You're weird. (laughs) No one would taste it and say, wow, it tastes just like coffee. No it does not. No one in their right mind would go around saying, hey, this has the same effect as coffee. No it doesn't. But truth is, this is what we look like. We go around saying, hey, I want to do awesome things for God. Let me hear you. We we, we go around with all these ambitions, thinking that we have something to give the world when in fact, apart from God, we got nothing. I looked up the original meaning of that word, nothing. Do you know what the original meaning means? Nothing. (laughs) Apart from Jesus, you have to be delusional to think this is coffee. But this is what the church looks like today. This is what I look like. This is what we look like. We try to go around pretending to be someone we're not. And the only person we're fooling is ourself. This is what it looks like if you try to do things for God without God. There is nothing you can offer this world. So Danny, what's the key? Well, if you were taking notes, the key is to abide. And the key is to be with Jesus. Now all I'm doing, I'm just adding the coffee in your Adding coffee, that's all it is, just coffee. I'm just gonna add coffee, I won't add all of it. Well, I'm just gonna add all of it. All I'm doing, I'm just adding coffee, that's all I'm doing. Check this out. And all we gotta do is abide. All we gotta do is spend time with Jesus. Oh, come on, I feel like preaching. All we gotta do is be with Jesus. And the more time we spend around his presence, and the more time we spend and we make being with him our number one priority, the more time we are obsessed with being with God and just loving on God, not so he could bless us, not so we could get anything out of it, but so that simply we can just be with him. We begin to smell like him. I would drink this right now, but I won't. We begin to taste like him. This water is no longer water. You have to be delusional to say, hey, can I get some water? No, it's no longer water. It now became coffee. This water began to have the same smell as coffee, the same effect as coffee, the same taste as coffee, in the same way if we spend time with Jesus, if we make abiding our number one priority, if we are with Jesus, then you begin to look like him. You begin to smell like him. You actually release a fragrance like him. It's biblical. You begin to talk like him. You begin to act like him. You begin to move the way he moves. Greater things you will do than even I. That's what Jesus promises. You will do greater things than even Jesus. And you begin to live like him. No more conjuring up from our own strength. There is no way, man. Look, I said it. January was so discouraging. Absolutely discouraging. Why? Because I was trying to do all these amazing things for God without God. This right here is the key. You want to see power in your life? You want to see authority in your life? You want to see fruit, eternal fruit in your life? You have to abide in Jesus. If you abide with him, if you remain with him, if you make being with God the number one precedent over doing many things for God, you will live like him, you will look like him, you will taste like him. And you begin to impact the world just as Jesus impacted the world. It's biblical. It's so biblical. And so, ah, this is the best thing I could do. If if that can't show you what this is all about, I'm sorry, I got nothing. (laughs) Last thing I want to say. So now we know what happens when we make being with God our number one priority over doing many things for God. Last thing I want to say, and I'm going to make a call. But why? Danny, why is it so important? Why is it that we have to be with God? It's because God first wants to be with you. Just for one moment, just, take a, just realize that. The God who literally created you, who formed you before, you before you were even born in your mother's womb, who set you apart according to Jeremiah chapter 1, who knows you by name, who knows the number of hair that you have on your head, The God who literally controls the world and he holds the world in his hands. He wants to be with you. The one who literally is the one who can have the power of life and death. He wants to be with you. In the Old Testament, the number one thing that the people wanted to hear the most is the Father saying, I will be with you. Exodus chapter 3, before Moses was used mightily by God, God told him, Moses, I will be with you. Joshua chapter 1, when Moses dies, before Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land, God says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. To David, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 12, I think, the Lord was with David. It's the number one thing the Old Testament people wanted to hear. Jesus exemplified it by literally being Emmanuel, God, with us. And before he died and before he resurrected to heaven, when he gave us the Great Commission, did you know the last sentence of the Great Commission says, I will be with you forever. The Great Commission that we claim we know so well, go into all the world, disciple nations The last sentence that Jesus leaves behind that's a promise from him is I will be with you. Now, I'm going to leave this. I want to make a call. I do. Oh, Thank you so much. I want to make a call, and this is the call. Look, no more, hey, if you want to live your life for God, come to the front. We've done enough of that. I think our number one priority and our number one calling in life is whether or not we are first laid down lovers of Jesus. Whether or not we abide with him. Whether or not we are with him. See, God ministers to all of us, but I feel like there is only a few in the world that truly ministers to God. I don't want, at the end of my life, when all is said and done, I don't want to have this regret in my heart. God, I wish I would have loved you more. After seeing the glorious, beautiful face of Jesus, I don't want to say, man, Jesus, I wish I loved you more. So the call tonight is going to be very simple. I actually want to ask everyone to stand up. I actually believe this with all my heart. I believe that the ones that God will use mightily are the ones that really prioritize being with his presence. And I believe those are the individuals that God looks for. The, eye, the eyes of God go to and fro like a dove, like a sparrow, searching for hearts that are fully devoted to him. Notice that it doesn't say looking for hearts that want to do awesome things for him looking for hearts that are fully devoted to Him. And I feel it so strongly. In this room, there are those who are hungry for a true encounter with God. Not hype. We're done with hype. You guys are sick and tired of hype. Where we want a true encounter. Where we want to know what it feels like to just fall in love with Jesus. Now, this is what I feel like the Father is saying. I really feel it in my heart. I feel like the Father is saying, if only you knew how much I want to be with you. Son, daughter, if only you knew how much I want to be with you. The Holy Spirit, I ask you even right now, God, that Jesus be glorified, that Jesus be magnified. Every eye is closed. That Holy Spirit, even right now in this room, that what you are searching for are not workers, but you are searching for lovers. You even said it, I do not call you guys servants. From now on, I call you friends. John chapter 10, no longer do I call you servants, but from this point on, I call you friends. Father, we want to be your friend. We want you to call us your friend, God. So Lord, from this point on, from this moment on, we want to make a decision. Once again, there is no hype behind it. The call is simple. The call is simple. Will you decide to, from this point on, make abiding and remaining with Jesus your number one priority? Above having a resume and accolades and and having many things to boast about. Look at all that I did for God or even getting bitter at God, because of God, look at all that I did for you. Yet, Where's my breakthrough? Where's my blessing? That God, we just want to love on you, and we want to make abiding and ministering to your presence our number one priority, God. From this point on, that's what we want to do. But we just want to love on you, Lord. Not to get anything out of it, but simply because we can't spend enough time with their Savior, with the Lord, with their friend, with the Father that wants to spend time with us, God. And so I feel that call if that's you and that's what's on your heart. And from this moment on, you want to live that life. You want to make being with God your number one priority. That's what I'm going to ask you to I'm going to ask you to raise up both hands. Now, I should make a note of this. Let me give a warning. <laughs> There's going to be a cost to this. There's a cost to this. The cost is your time. It's your priority. It's not just blindly signing off for something. That means there are moments where you have to give up good things because good things don't always mean God things. There are moments where you have to have a brand new calendar and say, God, you take first precedent. There's moments where it will lead you to a life of, quote, unquote, uncomfortability because God will begin to tell you to do things you've never imagined him telling you to do. Pray for that person at Starbucks. Spend time with me. Give up 5 a.m. every morning. Come on, college students. Oof. Now, there is a cost to signing up to this. There is a cost to this. But if that's you, you have counted your cost have said, regardless, man, I want to make being what Jesus is. Lord, you can search to and fro, and I want to say this, that you will find me with the heart that is fully devoted to you, that loves you, not to get anything out of it, but simply because I love you. If that's you, every hand raised. If that's you, raise your hand. Come on, come on, nice and high. Nice and high. And if we can sing that song, Let Your Glory Fall, I just feel such an anointing on that song. And right now, just with your own words, can you just begin to tell Jesus, like actually verbalize to Him what's on your heart? Man, for some of us, we have to repent. And what I mean by repent is that we've set our eyes on temporary things, not eternal things. We set our eyes on making ourselves great and our names known when, in fact, our call is to lift up the name of Jesus. There is only one name that stands above every other name. And so, right now, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do to verbalize what is in your heart, can we just begin to do that? Come on. Just begin to right now lift up your voice. And what is in your heart, the true desire of your heart, if it is Jesus, then let it come forward. Come on. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we're tired. Of trying to do all these awesome things for you. Lord we're we're tired of it God we're tired of striving. Striving leads to no fruit. Lord we're tired of simply being servants. Lord we want to be friends. Lord we're sorry for the times where we've got it all backwards Lord and we wanted to do awesome things for you without ever realizing that your heart has been I want to spend time with you son. I want to spend time with your daughter so God even right now Lord we say from this moment on that we will truly be ones that worship you Lord not to get anything out of it Lord but because we are so enamored that we are in awe that Jesus you would want to be with us that we are in awe that the creator of the world the God who holds the world in his hands the God who created all things wants to be with us God and so Lord from this moment on we say Lord we will make being with you our number one priority God we want to be ministers to you God we want to minister to your heart God so come Holy Spirit right now come Holy Spirit right now more Holy Spirit